Hello and welcome to Green Grid Radio on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. I'm your host today, Diane Wu. Food has become cheaper and more abundant in the last 150 years, largely thanks to technological advances. Irrigation, fertilizer, pesticides, and tractors have revolutionized farming. We found a story, however, about someone who has experienced firsthand the negative impact of these technologies and has realized how they will impact our ability to grow food. Eric Olison has the story. Matt Roth cares more about how we grow our food than anyone I've ever met. He grew up on a conventional corn farm in Colorado and always dreamt of one day becoming a farmer himself. You know, I've always wanted to be a farmer. But he's not a farmer. So my name is Matt Roth, and I teach design thinking at Stanford University. Matt is a lecturer at Stanford in the heart of Silicon Valley, far, far away from the Colorado family farm. I teach with Matt, and I was, of course, curious to know, why is he not farming? What's stopping him? And his response turned out to be a surprising story about modern agriculture. It all began back in the farm in Colorado, where Matt grew up. So I was uh, raised in Fort Morgan, Colorado, on a very large family farm. Matt loved helping his dad on the farm, and when he was 12, he got his first job. I was pretty excited about it because my job was to drive this big tractor through uh, a cornfield. And I just remember being so excited to be driving this like huge machine. I got on, my dad sort of showed me how to run the thing and what to do, and we made several passes up and down the fields. And these fields are like, each, each you know, field is 160 acres, so it's pretty big. How big is that? Uh, five, like 5,000 soccer fields of corn. <laughs> it's a lot of corn. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's, just, it's, like, it's corn as far as you can see in any direction. Like, how many hours did it take you to cover that? Oh, forever. You know, you're driving this big piece of machinery, and all you're doing is staring at corn at three miles an hour. It all looks the same, and you're just doing this for hour upon hour upon hour. I mean, literally driving a tractor you know, for 12 hours a day. And so you can imagine, like, for 12 hours at three miles an hour, driving this tractor in 100-degree heat with the dust and the bugs and thunderstorms. So what I thought was going to be this really, like, cool thing, driving this tractor and making money, ended up being a pretty miserable experience for, like, for the most part. <laughs> but you, you, you wanted to be a farmer afterwards. I did, yeah. And well, and so the saving grace of driving a tractor for 12 hours a day at three miles an hour is that you always see the end of the field. You always know where you're going to. And you're always, like, despite the fact that you're going three miles an hour, you're always making a little progress towards it, right? And there's such a sense of satisfaction when you get to the end of that final row and you turn around and the whole thing is done, you know? I mean, it's just like, I don't know, it's so fulfilling to do that. Matt ended up working on his dad's farm every summer all through high school. During his college years, he considered a couple of other options, but by the time he was a senior in college, he had made up his mind. And so I spent a lot of time in my senior year kind of thinking about what I wanted to do when I graduated. And it just became more and more clear to me that 
I like working on the farm. You know, I like fixing things. I like planting things in the ground and taking care of them. I like, you know, taking care of the land. I, I like stick seeing it and feeling ownership and, of it. And, and so all of that for me just kind of got bound up into this like desire to, to want to go home and farm. So I called up my dad in April probably. And anyway, I remember standing in the kitchen talking to my dad on the phone, you know, explaining that like I really wanted to come farm with him. And, uh, you know, basically what he said was that the way farming is going, like there'd be no way for you to own it. Nobody will give you, will lend you money to run this operation. One, no bank will. I don't have enough money, this is my dad speaking, I don't have enough money to lend you really to do this. And I'm not in a position really to give any of it to you um, because I need to retire. So, so, like, what was your reaction to, to your dad's response? Uh, I think it was hard for both of us because yeah, I think I can't imagine being a father to, us, to my son and telling him or that he couldn't come back and run the business, the family business has been in the family for, you know, 12 generations. Um, and it was equally hard for me because it was like I had spent all this time toiling over what I thought that I wanted to do, and here it was like not available to me. And I remember just kind of feeling like helpless, you know, like, um, now what, you know, like, now what? Summer comes around, Matt graduates, and he leaves college lost, lost and heartbroken. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and so I... Uh, decided with a couple friends to move to Bozeman, Montana, where we ski bombed for a year and delivered pizza, which I, I guess was my first professional experience beyond the farm and the food system. In the years that followed, Matt would find himself drawn back to just that, the food system. After a move to California, Matt eventually landed a job with Nyman Ranch, a national network of family farms that raise livestock in a humane way. And so we ended up doing some really cool stuff at Nyman Ranch. Um, I think the pork program that we built and that still exists today is probably one of the shining examples of how we can develop a sustainable agriculture at scale. After six years, Matt left Nyman Ranch to attend business school at Stanford. He wanted to explore if the practices he had helped develop at Nyman Ranch could be applied to more aspects of the food system, but things didn't quite go as expected. Uh, so I spent the summer uh, in between my two years of business school at home, got to see my, my parents as a, as a result of that quite a lot, which was a really great because we didn't anticipate or foresee what was going to happen, um, which was that uh, late that fall, early winter, um, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And um, 
you know, when you start looking into it, you quickly discover that it's a, a year-long death sentence for 98% of people that get it. Matt now shifted his focus from school and devoted all his free time to helping his parents back in Colorado. Man, I, I flew to Colorado like 19 times in, you know, nine months or something. And that was both to, you know, spend time with my dad because we knew that time was limited, uh, but also to help him kind of manage his affairs with the farm to sort of understand his business. I started taking a look at all of all of his spreadsheets, like all of the profit and loss statements, balance sheet, to really sort of get a sense for like, how does this business run? Like, what is it worth? You know, what are its challenges? And, and things weren't looking so good. The Roth family farm was up to its ears in debt. He had a mortgage at 10% interest. This is at a time when people are like giving away home loans to strangers on the street practically. So the farm is close to bankruptcy, and Matt is asking himself, why is this happening, and what are we doing wrong? Then one warm summer day in 2007, Matt's dad told him a story that finally helped Matt answer these questions. My dad, you know, in all this time that we ended up spending together in that last year, told me this story about how the tractor ruined farming. And I just remember it just being amazed by this story. It made sense of the situation of our farm. I mean, it, it, it explained almost perfectly why our agriculture was so f***ed up. Um, so we were sitting at the kitchen table, and he was pretty sick at this point. He was in his bathrobe probably eating an egg for whatever reason like he went through this period as you do when you have cancer and you're on different drugs like you can only eat certain things uh scrambled eggs happen to be one of those things and so yeah he said something like you know your grandfather used to like to tell the story about how the tractor ruined farming and basically you know the way that my grandfather tells the story he used to tell the story is that you know it used to be that um we had horses i mean they did all of our work the cycle of the day was that you'd get up in the morning and feed the horses and then you'd feed yourself and then you'd go out into the barn and saddle all the horses and you'd get them all connected and you know you'd go out and you'd work in the field with the horses until noon and then you'd come back horses some water a little food you would eat and then you know you'd take the horses back out in the afternoon and you'd work either until they couldn't work anymore or until you couldn't work anymore and at the end of the day you'd put the horses back in the stable uh and then Everybody would go to sleep and get up the next morning and do it again. Then one day, they invented the tractor. And this tractor was going to like be the savior for farming. Like This is going to make farming easier. It's going to make it more profitable. Like We're all going to get rich if we buy a tractor. Because, I mean, you think about it, right? Like You went from a horse, which is one horsepower, to a tractor, which is, you know, scores of horses powered. It was just this giant leap forward in terms of, like, technology on the farm, basically. It turns out that there were some things about the tractor that we didn't think about. And, and one was that they cost a fair amount of money. And we don't have a lot of money as a farm. And so we had to borrow some money to buy this tractor. Well, then we realized that tractor like actually breaks down a fair amount and it requires fuel there's also this cost of like just running this thing of fixing it which we didn't really anticipate and so 
we had to go to the bank and get an operating loan just to just to run the tractor well then we realized that this tractor is so productive that yeah i mean our days are shorter but it's only because we're limited by how many acres we can farm and because we don't have enough acres we can't actually pay off the tractor and so we have to go buy more land now just just so that the just so this tractor has something to do basically and so you know again like we're poor farmers we don't have a lot of equity so we have to now take out another loan and that's all okay you know but what's happening is that everybody is getting a tractor all the neighbors now have tractors and everybody is quote unquote more productive Everybody's buying more land. Everybody's producing more food. But the result of all of that is that prices are declining, right? Because there's more corn in the market now, the prices decline. And so the reality is that we're not really any better off financially because prices have come down as a result of our productivity. We've got all this debt now that we have to service. At least with the horse, like we had the promise of only working a 12 hour day because that's all the horse could work. And now we're working all day, every day, just to service this tractor. It breaks down, it's smelly, it's loud. And at the end of the day, we're not any better off than we were before we had the damn tractor. And so when my dad was telling me that story at the kitchen table, it was like this amazing moment. For me, it started to take on this sort of metaphorical uh, significance to me. And what occurred to me as my dad was telling me this, and I thought about it, you know, for quite a while afterwards, is that my grandfather's story of the tractor is basically an allegory for every technology that's been developed since. And that includes artificial pesticides, fertilizers, genetic modified organisms, it includes the specialization of farming equipment and technology. It's all the same story. A couple of months after the day when Matt first heard the story about how the tractor ruined farming, his father passed away. At this point, the family farm was on the brink of bankruptcy. Matt was desperate to keep the family business alive. But he realized that his dad had been right this whole time. Matt didn't have the resources to turn things around, and no one would lend him the money either. Ultimately, Matt and his mother ended up selling the farm. So there was this combination of events that kind of happened in that year, and the one was just this experience of like kind of helping my dad manage the farm and then selling it and just sort of seeing firsthand like how f***ed up our agriculture is. There was this element of, um, particularly when we had to sell the farm, of feeling like helpless in a way. Um, my dad was documented generation number 12 of family farmers in our family and there wasn't going to be another one. Having this revelation and this really painful 
moment of seeing the farm sort of disappear for good in our family, I decided that I was going to try to do something about it. And that's where we are today. Currently, Matt is working on two big problems. The first one is to limit the tractors and other technologies' negative impact on the environment, particularly on the soil. Most, most of our technologies, they result in the loss of soil fertility and literally in the loss of soil. Soil is running off of our properties. And so the ability of our soils to produce food is declining. So how is it then possible that we're producing more and more food every year? Other technologies that we've developed, namely artificial fertilizers and pesticides, are masking the decline in the productive capacity of our soils. It appears that our agriculture is becoming super productive. I mean, we're producing more calories now than we ever have. But the reality is that the underlying asset, right, the thing that is most important to us, the soil, is actually declining. And it gets worse. Now, why this is important is that the things like fertilizer, pesticides in particular, they're all derived from petroleum or require a lot of energy in their production. That's to say that they're limited resources, right? So you could imagine a future where those resources become scarce and incredibly uh, unaffordable. And we're in a situation where we've significantly reduced the productive capacity of our soil as being a really terrible set of circumstances. The introduction of the tractor set in motion a shift in American agriculture, from small and diversified farming to massive and hyper-efficient monocultures. Growing a huge amount of one type of food, like the endless cornfields on Matt's family farm in Colorado, makes a lot of sense economically. It is very efficient and allows the farmer to automate a lot of tasks. But when the corn isn't growing, the soil is left unprotected, allowing rain and wind to wash it away. So the first problem is that most of the technologies used in modern agriculture have a detrimental effect on the soil's fertility. The second problem, and this is a big one, is that we're stuck with them. Farming at this scale requires new technologies, like advanced tractors or irrigation systems, expensive ones, that most farmers have to borrow money to buy. So, just like Matt's dad, they are forced into debt to keep up. You know, farmers borrow money to buy these technologies, and then they exist in an environment where they're dealing with three things that are outside of their control, things like the weather, pests, and the market. And so you have just the existential reality of farming aligned against you, basically. And when you combine that with a balance sheet full of debt, it just increases the risk of bankruptcy, right? And when one farmer goes bankrupt, another one steps in to take over. And if history tells us anything, she will go bankrupt too. This feedback loop is the reason why so much of American farmlands are enormous monocultures. The upsides to this? Efficiency and an abundance of cheap food. And the downside? The ultimate destruction of productive soil. But there is a way to break this vicious cycle. One way is to make farmers more resilient to changes in their environment by diversifying their production. 
just like a smart investor on Wall Street spreads risk by investing in several different companies and markets, farmers can mitigate risk by growing and rotating several different crops on their land. Diversified farming also has the added benefit of building soil fertility, as crops and livestock are used to mimic natural ecosystems. So, why is this not happening? Cost. The reality is these small, diversified farms are paying the full social environmental cost of their production. If we were to transition our farm overnight to, you know, a hundred small, diversified farms, the cost of that food would be extraordinary. It's not just that monoculture farms can push down their operating costs thanks to efficiency and scale. The crops they grow, most commonly wheat, soy, and corn, are heavily subsidized by the government. Taken together, there are not many economic incentives to diversify. Matt and the Feed Collaborative are looking at ways to change this. One approach they're taking is to increase the demand for food grown in a sustainable way and to help diversified farms become more competitive by linking them directly to consumers. Consumers of food need to share in the risk of the production of food. A, a model was developed about 100 years ago uh, called uh, community-supported agriculture, but the idea of that was that consumers of food actually invested in the farm that produced the food for them. The main limitation of this model, however, is that it is very inefficient for a farmer to deal with a large number of small customers. Therefore, Matt is assigning ways for large institutional food service providers, like a corporate dining service, to form long-term direct relationships with small farmers. This way, they'll equally share the risk of bad weather, pests, and poor market conditions. That is, I think, a big part of the solution to disrupt the cycle of bankruptcy in our agriculture. So as Matt continues to work on scaling these solutions, he keeps moving towards his ultimate goal, to one day go back and farm. And of course, I was curious to know, would that be with or without the tractor? Yeah, so we'll have a tractor. <laughs> we'll have a tractor. The tractor that we own, we're going to use in a way that minimizes the destruction to our soils. I think the bigger thing about the tractor is that the tractor will be a slave to us and not the other way around. You've been listening to Green Grid Radio. Today's show is produced by Eric Olson. Big thanks to Matt Roth for sharing his story with us. If you're interested in learning more about Matt and his work to transform the American food system, visit feedcollaborative.org. Thanks also to the producers at the Stanford Storytelling Project and Amy Kolawole, editor-in-residence at the D School, for editorial guidance. The music in this show is provided by the freemusicarchive.org, and a complete list of songs used can be found on our website, greengridradio.org. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments. Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at, at GreenGridRadio or leave us a comment at GreenGridRadio.org. I'm Diane Wu. Thanks for listening. <laughs>